1: Welcome to Rolling Stone Music Now. I'm Rolling Stone Executive Editor Nathan Brackett. Today we're going to hear Keith Richards talk about his first guitar hero, Scotty Moore. But first, we're going to do a midsummer tour check-in. Instead of our usual what we're listening to segment, we're going to talk about what shows we've been going to and what our favorite ones have been. I have here Andy Green, Hi Associate there. Editor. Hey Andy. Patrick Doyle. Hey. Annie Licata. Hi guys. What's up, Andy? Alright guys, this is the heat of the summer. We've all been going to a lot of shows. There have been a lot of festivals, a lot of major tours. Let's hear, what have been your favorites so far? Let's start with Andy, what was your favorite show? Or what's been your favorite show so far? My favorite show was
0: Radiohead at Madison Square Garden. Oh my god, that's one of
1: my favorites too. Yeah, it was was
0: ridiculous. ridiculous? (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Uh, That was last night. We all went. We did. Everybody except for Annie. Guys, yeah. I didn't go. Sorry, no, I'm Annie. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was awesome. Three of the four of us <laughs> went. At least. Yeah, it was a, it was just
0: very, very good. I saw the last tour a lot. This was significantly better. I feel Tom was more into it. He seemed happier. That's Tom York for listeners Yeah, Tom at home. York. Yeah, <laughs> spelled T-H-O-M. But yeah, they played a lot of these old 90s songs they hadn't played in years. It was the first live Let Down off of, off of a computer in 10 years. This is,
1: well, before we totally geek out on this, this is their first U.S. tour, right? In, did you already say this? This is their first U.S. tour since? Since 2012. This is our first US tour since 2012. <laughs> yes. There's the first time we've heard songs off their last album. A moon-shaped uh, their, their pool. Their new album, yeah. A Moonshaped Pool. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought those sound, songs sounded incredible. Those are like some of the highlights for me.
0: Yeah, the first five songs was the first five songs off the album in sequence of the first half. And they worked really well live. And you know, they're a bit slow at times, but they're beautiful. And the whole Reno was hushed for it. Then the energy just slowly built through the whole night. I don't know. It was really something. I've not seen them that good since 2001 even.
1: It was a combination of a band that's like happy where they are now and their new album, but then also, we were talking about this earlier, kind of totally happy to revisit some of their biggest songs. They, yeah. they weren't ducking their like Paranoid Android. Right. They, they were totally they fierce went version of through
0: that. Through a period where they did very few songs pre Kid A. When they do them, they sort of seem to be begrudgingly doing them. Right. Okay. Here's a hit for yeah. you you know Benz. here's here's like carm police for the millionth time but this time they played planet Telex. you know they played all this
2: awesome shit set on the bends yeah yeah,
0: yeah. It was just incredible. I mean, "Street Spirit" at the very end was incredibly moving. It was gorgeous.
2: Yeah, yeah, and
1: the I mean, whole arena was singing along. Yeah, and, and one thing that struck me on the way out is just people were just cheering spontaneously, just filing yeah. out of the arena, which is just, just yeah. for no apparent reason. Just because... I looked next to me, and this girl was just smiling. Like she looked at
2: me and smiled. Like it was just right. something you don't. This communal feeling that you right. get it. Uh, you don't see it a lot of shows. Like, you know, you usually. Getting bumped into, this is the special and, you know. FOMO edition of <laughs> yeah, Stone Music now. Yeah. So, yeah, we're... So it, was but yeah it was just a great show. To it, yeah, that.
1: absolutely. If people can get tickets for our, this Radiohead tour, they need to. Uh, okay, so Patrick, what about you?
2: Well, let's see. On, on When I, I went back home to Maine and I saw Fish, um, you know, that's where I grew up. So I, I Fish played at this uh, small arena called the... You Port only P- see Fish in Maine. Yeah, right? I, I, that... I, there's like a two-week period where I, I love Fish, but I immerse myself in like the week before that show and the week after. And it's kind of always in July, early July. And um, get the Fish app on my phone. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Just the cycle and, uh, of life. And yeah, fish. and I still yeah. have it on my phone. And uh, it's an amazing. There's two apps. There's the fish live app or the, the regular fish app but i have
1: <laughs> then you can go
2: to the reviews and there's like 37 reviews for every show people detailed just you know the, the, the wonderful thing, thing is that the
1: members of fish are probably just as excited about all these fish apps as yeah. you yeah i mean yeah. there's a certain like yeah everybody uh is, yeah they, they they love to geek out about this stuff yeah, yeah. So, yeah,
2: so um, Fish played, at, um, it was the smallest show, I believe, of the whole tour. It was, every other show was like, you know, Red Rocks or Dick's uh, Sporting Goods, uh... Amphitheater, and this was at a Civic Center, which is this, this uh, 8,000 top crowd. Wow. And so um, they played, it was a, the hottest show I maybe ever been to, but they just, it wasn't a whole lot of jamming as much. You know, that was the one thing all these fans were complaining about, but it was a very melodic show. Everything Trey was playing had real melody to it. Everybody was really playing well together, and it was almost a feeling like that Radiohead show where everyone was so happy to be in there because it was such a tough ticket and outside the whole scene uh f- people you know selling it. a heady topper beer which is very hard to get and this is the <laughs> from vermont just this hipp- hippie scene uh, that you see up there in uh, new england but then getting the chance i um talked to trey before the show and he, they uh, did a uh, sound check and i watched the sound check it was the most amazing things i've ever seen because they played for an hour a lot of blues a lot of just kind of letting themselves loose on on this wow. like kind of like hendrixy stuff like print stuff like it was just kind of you get to see what they were really into and trying out new songs from their next album and trey talked about one thing that was interesting that he said is his favorite types of shows to play are the small arena shows because he got into playing live albums through peter frampton frampton comes alive and the who uh that's interesting so not
1: theaters not clubs
2: not big arenas but small arenas Uh, yeah he said who live at leeds and uh Frampton comes alive he said these 70s rock arenas are his favorite kind of okay. shows to play the
1: 8 dinner? to 8 to 10,000 uh, capacity yeah. zone. All right, oh, yeah. remember that small bands? I saw them I
3: saw them this summer too. Oh, I saw them, them in Connecticut. I drove like 3 hours to see them cuz I always try to get out to see fish at least once every summer. Uh-huh. Um, and they were fun- I had such a good time. I saw them in an arena that size, and the last time they had played there, they played the Beatles album, mm-hmm. uh, the White Album, all the way through. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw them at that size arena, and that was a great show too. So Do you maybe that's attest
1: to their playing at small arenas being yes. a good thing. <laughs> all right. Yes, I can. Oh, right, but anyway, so what was your favorite show this summer, though?
3: I saw Beyonce at City Field, oh, and that was phenomenal. That was, phenomenal. That that was, was pretty... amazing. You saw them? You yeah, saw I did
1: too. too. Yes, no, go go ahead though. Um,
3: like, yeah. She was, she was just, it was everything that I could have asked for out of a Beyonce show.
1: And you're a serious fan. You can ask a lot yes. out of a Beyonce show. Yes, yes. I've
3: been a lifelong Beyonce yep. fan. I've been there since uh, Destiny's Child. And she played, you know, she like got down on her knees and sang one plus one. Like she just sang her heart out and her dancing was just on point. And just the production, the whole thing, the huge monolith type thing and She really just brought so much energy and. and What is
2: this thing, the monolith?
3: She had this thing on the stage that was like the 2001 monolith. It was like huge. It was surrounded by video screens. It was surrounded by video screens, yeah. And like she did a Prince cover and like the whole thing turned purple. And there was a lot of what you expected to hear from Lemonade. But she also went back and did a lot of really amazing old songs that some of her, you know, she said during the show, like, I know some of you guys have been with me since day one, so she played some of those older songs, and I've never seen her before, so I was very moved.
1: She, that She is, uh, yeah, as I said, I was at one of those shows too, and she's just a, a stadium killer. It's just crazy, just the combination of her voice and the dancing and the whole production is just, it's just really another level. Yeah, she just point, commanded
3: yeah. the whole, that's a hard venue to yeah. have control over like that, and everybody was just blown away.
1: For mm-hmm. sure. All right. Well, let's move on to some negativity. What was, what have been the biggest disappointments for you guys, or, or you know, medium level disappointments? Yeah. Or this is April. It's not quite the summer, but the Rocker
0: Hall of Fame induction ceremony to mm. me was some disappointments.
1: Which, well, that was a spicy ceremony. It was, it was spicy. Steve Miller, yeah, saying all that stuff. And, but he yeah. was actually, but
0: he was okay as a performer. I was looking forward to seeing NWA play, but they decided not to even play. True. I was looking forward to seeing Chicago play with Pierce the I, I am not a fan of Chicago, but 25 or 6 to 4 is a great song. I'm a fan of their one song
1: basically. Right. Or maybe Saturday in the Park. Uh, maybe, I hate, hate you don't like that song. I hate, oh hate that man. Song. All right. But 25 or 6 to 4 is a jam and Pierce Terra. Can I just throw in yeah. Chicago's one of those bands that you don't think you're going to look forward to. I mean they're freaking yeah. Chicago, right. you know, unless you're of a certain demographic and yeah. they're huge on the radio, but then you actually think about all their songs. You're and, thinking and like, all. "Oh wow, I like that song. I kind of I want to see that. I hate so, almost all of them, but 25 to the <laughs> four is amazing. Green Day
0: stole like Brainstorm off it, and Peter Cetera, who sings the song, was supposed to come and sing it with him. And he hadn't sang with them in like 22 years or something. But they got into a big fight over what key they would mm-hmm. sing it in. And he didn't show. So they played it in their new crappy way. And right. it was disappointing.
1: Some intra-band squad Right,
0: playing. and Deep Purple right. I was looking forward to seeing. Because right. that could be Richie Blackmore for the first time in 20 years. And right. he didn't show up. Right, And they didn't even bring out Glenn. He used to play with them. It was just a lot of missed opportunities in the Rocker Hall of Fame. And it was, a dis- <laughs> it was just disappointing. Right.
3: <laughs> OK, but Cheap Trick was all right.
0: But
1: Cheap Trick at the end. All you know, right, you know, it, all right, right.
0: Annie. At the end, and Team Trick <laughs> came out and saved the day.
1: Uh, Patrick, what about you? Mine was a little more recent, a little more
2: fresh. April. It wasn't that um, um, long ago. It was, it was what just, about
1: further back, Andy? You <laughs> <laughs> that further back oh, there. You you go way <laughs> back. Yeah, I saw Robert
0: Palmer in 1994 and was disappointed. But
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine was just this past weekend at MetLife Stadium it was uh, Guns N' Roses and I actually went with Andy yeah. and we had very different thoughts on the whole thing and I just really did not like the show. I thought that I've never seen anything, any band go through the motions more than wow. this show. Oh, wow. There's no chemistry, you know, between
1: Slash wow. and Axl. This is a and major they... tour this summer. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is really yeah, yeah. disappointing. Yeah, yeah. It
0: was. I yeah. don't know what you expected. You expect them to go out there and hug and and <laughs> I ex- go back in time in the 80s? I mean, it was amazing. Slash sounded great. It was Axl's voice. has not sounded that great in a
2: very long time. They like, well, killed yeah, it. What, what were your expectations yeah. going in, Pat? I expected to see an exciting band which you um, saw, yeah. an exciting band and it, who really bring those songs to life on yeah, stage I right. I, feel, I expected myself yeah. to really become sort of immersed in this you know this great energy I, and that I they don't
1: have. think those expectations are out of line I mean yeah. I didn't see Guns N' Roses but they were for you know that performance without Axel yeah. in the, uh, the Rock and Roll oh, Hall better. of Fame a few years ago going, going back to the Rock and Roll Hall yeah. of Fame was was incredible I mean yeah. it totally this was touch, much and better and the guy from Alter Bridge so you would the think Miles, with yeah. Axl Rose
2: yeah it, but I saw them at the, at, um, the Hammerstein Ballroom a, a few years ago and I just expected since the huge stink that they're making about this this particular right. lineup that going from clubs yeah. to stadiums yeah. that it would be radically different but you know Axel basically is on stage half of the show the rest oh, of the time he's backstage half. getting oxygen and, uh, <laughs> and Slash is, uh, you know, just doing instrumental things. Slash is an amazing guitar player, but once he goes into his fifth, uh, you know, so you're um, saying
1: there was some. He Slash would have to fill
2: time. Oh, okay. like so I felt how like he, would he was do kill, to, he would be he killing time. He did yeah. like the Godfather theme, which was cool, but there were a lot of other instrumental things right. that, with the other uh, hired guitarists that they have now. But they were like Richard Fortus, yeah. and uh, they just. So I felt like half of the show was just killing time. And right. then and then Axel would, would get the energy finally to yeah. come out and do something, but it wasn't really uh, a whole lot. I find
1: half is a gross overstatement. <laughs> maybe like a right, fifth Andy, of it. Andy, you have 30 seconds to rebut this... Uh... <laughs>
0: I felt that part of going to concert like that is to manage expectations. This was never going to <laughs> Wait, be like part of going to a concert. <laughs> is to manage
1: expectations. Well, if you're seeing Guns N' Roses in
0: 2016, <laughs> uh-huh. it's not going to feel like 1987 again. But is not stopping. When that neither good of you year. guys were like alive, right? Is that... I was six. Okay. Was, all right. I'm, I'm old. I was I wasn't going to concerts back then, but I've seen the videos. I thought it was as good as it possibly could have been, all things considered. Considering you have a guitarist and singer that probably don't speak off stage, that you don't have Izzy Stradlin there, that Axel is in his mid 50s now and everything, I still thought for okay. all
1: of that it was great. So you're taking a holistic, somewhat apologistic uh, approach to No, I guns loved it. Roses. There were very few moments where I was like, this sucks. And it okay. was usually when Axel was on right. stage. All right. I loved it. Annie, what was your biggest disappointment over this um, summer?
3: I saw early 2000s Nostalgia Tour with Taking Back Sunday and Dashboard. Dashboard and, Confessional. Yep, and um, we don't all speak your day. emo
1: shorthand, Annie.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was my time. Ton- Those are huge bands when I sure. was like e- really coming into. Sure, emo's back,
1: man. This yeah. should be a big tour, right? So
3: I was really excited. And it was not good. Uh, yeah. There was a really bad turnout. Apparently, I'm the only one, me and like a couple of other people <laughs> still wanna see those bands. Really? Yeah. yeah, and Taking Back Sunday was just really bad, and, and they, they didn't sound very good, mm-hmm. and um, which is a shame because they have a new album coming out, so I'm sure they're trying to like get their mojo back. Dashboard was all right, Saves the Day, which is one of my favorite. I love Saves the Day, and they they were underwhelming as well. So the whole thing, I mean, it was to the point where they actually let the people who were on the lawn move up uh, into the seats yeah. because the arena was so empty. And anytime it's that that happens, yeah. you know that that's like a yeah. bad sign. Oh, so yeah. I was disappointed.
1: I emo's not as back as
0: we thought. No, well, it's
3: definitely not. Yeah. It's a good
0: lesson. It's too soon for the nostalgia. It's like the monkeys tried to right. tour in the mid '70s and nobody cared, but right. it, by the mid '80s it was back in your right. Right. Is you you have to time it right, and they, if you just wait ten years, there's not enough nostalgia that builds yet. Right. That's what the new kids on the block—they had to wait like twenty years, and it was huge again. You have to time it, right? And they jumped the gun.
3: Yeah, they totally did.
1: Well, let's all right. Well, let's try to end on an up note. What, what tours are we looking forward to? What shows? Uh, Patrick, do you want to start? Well, uh, Bruce
2: Springsteen is coming uh, to uh, MetLife Stadium, and he does this every couple years, coming and does a run of a few shows at MetLife, and I just love the end of August. I think he gave a whole speech last time. This is when you can see the flies uh, out and and the, the, the air is a certain kind of... Stickiness, I guess. Because <laughs> you're in a swamp. Yeah, but it's an actual swamp. <laughs> yeah, that? but he, but he, <laughs> Ru- literal Bruce made there. it sound very romantic <laughs> yeah. the last time yeah. he, he well, of uh, course, that, this is the station that
1: replaced that, sorry, the stadium that replaced the stadium, stadium, that giant stadium that was a wrecking ball. Hero Wrecking about, Ball. Yeah. I saw, yeah, I saw yeah. that show where
2: he played wrecking ball. Yeah. Um, and I just, I'm really looking forward to to going off th- hopefully all three. All right.
1: Yes. And I'm also you?
0: looking forward to the Bruce shows there and seeing New no repeats. <laughs> well, I said also I have my own. And what I'm looking most forward to is seeing Neil Young and Promise of The Real, because they've been in Europe all summer playing these crazy set lists, three-hour shows, playing all these songs I haven't played in decades. And they're, they're going to come back here, and I'm really psyched about seeing that show. All right, well, Annie, what about you?
3: I saw a Lake Street Dive at the Beacon in the winter, and they're doing a fall tour, and they were so, they were really good live. They were amazing, and her voice, the lead singer. Rachel Price sounds exactly the same live, Um, and when I saw them at the Beacon, it was a perfect venue size for them, and they covered Annie Lennox is walking on broken glass, which is oh, cool. m- one of my favorite songs. And of Annie all time. Lennox has
1: got like, such a great voice. I mean, to pull off a song like that, yeah, you have to be and able to sing, they yeah.
3: they just killed it. So I'm really excited for their fall tour.
1: Cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to. Well, uh, one of my favorites so far was uh, FKA Twigs at the Panorama Fest, which was just oh, this weekend. Yep. She was incredible. It was just like like performance art. She's this incredible choreographer and singer, and she's going to be coming back at some point in the next year with a new album. So uh, I'll be looking forward to it. I don't think she has any actual dates. But she might have a scattering of dates in the US. So uh, I would definitely point people to her. So I, that's uh, that's our Midsummer Wait, tour report. Wait, you
3: disappointed by?
1: I don't have any, man. <laughs> I mean, I went to the Panorama Fest uh, this weekend, as I mentioned, to see FKA Twigs. And um, I was disappointed in the heat. It was about 98 <laughs> degrees and really muggy. Uh, and so I was disappointed in that. I was a little underwhelmed by Kurt Vile, who I'm a fan of, but mm-hmm. other than that, I haven't had any major disappointments this summer. Knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the, stu- the summer still has another month in it, so it's we'll. Kurt see. Kurt
2: Vile is not so not so good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, anyway, but that's for now. Uh, that's I guess that's our midsummer tour report. We'll check in maybe at the end of the summer or early next summer or the end of the year. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate you guys coming on. Sure. Thanks. All right.
3: Train, train,
1: Come and, run, run, yeah. and that was a little bit of Mystery Train by Elvis Presley, featuring the awesome guitar of Scotty Moore. I'm back here with Patrick, and we're going to talk about your recent conversation with Keith Richards about Scotty Moore, and we're also going to listen to a little bit of that conversation. Yeah. So Scotty Moore, uh, Elvis Presley's great guitarist, just died a few weeks ago. So Patrick, do you want to talk about Scotty Moore's importance to Keith?
2: Yeah, well, Keith Richards, uh, you know, the most immediate person that you think of when you think of Keith's influence would be uh, Chuck Berry. But the guy he was listening to before that was um, Scotty Moore. Um, He has a famous quote that he said, um, you know, everybody wanted to be Elvis. I wanted to be Scotty. So Scotty Moore's uh, rhythm guitar playing is... he's, He's one of the most interesting guitar players, I think, to ever pick up the instrument. He uh, joined Elvis in 1954 and was his manager during that time. I really don't think Elvis would be Elvis without uh, right. Scotty. He was booking him in, in these uh, fairs and these tiny clubs as they w- would uh, ride across the South playing. And and, and so basically, uh, Scotty helped engineer his career and also his sound. And uh, his rhythm guitar playing, as Keith kind of said, is sort of a mix of country, blues, and jazz. And it's
1: very hard to kind of replicate. And, and Keith, just to throw in like Keith yeah. Yeah. He of course is like one of the great rhythm guitar yeah. players and, and yeah. this master of vibe and feel. Yeah. And if you listen to those those early, you know, those Elvis records, the Mystery Train mm-hmm. and, and That's All Right. I mean, that mm-hmm. guitar playing is just like, he's just such a master of vibe and yeah. just such ev- evocative records.
2: Yeah. And um, Keith describes his playing as the ancient form of weaving, which is what uh, he does with Ronnie Wood or McTaylor and or Brian Jones. And it's uh, where both People are playing kind of rhythm and lead at the same time, and Scotty was doing that. It goes back to the Mesopotamians. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Scotty was doing that. He was sort of weaving with himself because he there would always be the rhythm going on those songs like Mystery Train, but he'd always go in and out of it with these tangents he'd go on. And uh, as a rudimentary guitar player for like 12 years, um, a <laughs> <laughs> long time rudimentary guitar player, Scotty's playing is some of the hardest to to learn and to replicate because the, the rhythm is. It's very complicated, and you, it sounds easy, but then you look up these YouTube videos on how to do it, and it's very, very hard, especially Mystery Train. Um, it sounds like a couple chords, but it's uh, very hard to get down, the finger-picking and the uh, chords going at the same time. So that was very intriguing to Keith. You know, Keith set, called Mystery Train the, the apex of all guitar playing, basically, of, of Elvis's guitar playing. So he was impressed by not only his guitar playing, but also the sound that they found in the, you know, the Sun Studios. It was this um, little echo chamber, kind of. And, and um, it was only three guys. Most of the time, early on, there were no drums. It was just Scotty and Bill Black on bass. And um, Elvis kind of playing acoustic guitar, but mostly Scotty and Bill, and they could just make this huge sound. And uh, that is what got Heath interested in the chemistry of a, of a group.
1: All right, well, without any further ado, let's get into your conversation with uh, Keith Richards. This was a couple weeks ago.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, Patrick, it's Keith. Hey, Keith. Man, you're always on time or early. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Synchronized watches.
4: <laughs>
2: um, what have you been up to?
4: Um, lately, uh, it's kicking back for the summer, but uh, a couple of weeks ago I was in London with the Stones. We cut a few tracks oh, for man. a few days. It's interesting, yeah. How'd that go? It went very well, yeah. It was great fun. Awesome. Always is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's so cool. It must be cool to be back in the studio with those guys. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time to talk about Scotty, who uh, I know was a major, major influence on you.
4: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, Scotty was probably. He's a guy, the guy, I think I could say that. that's when I wanted to go electric, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it took me a while uh, because I was sort of playing, I was sort of working in the folk area, you know, and uh, also I couldn't afford an electric guitar at the time, so uh, uh, his style of playing uh, with that early, all this stuff, it's just, uh, it's still like the... uh, it's the creme de la creme, you know, of uh, early rock and roll playing. And those guys, they realized, uh, there were hardly any, there are no drums on some of those tracks even. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't notice it either. No, I mean Mystery Train, which is probably the apex yeah. of, uh, of their sound. It's just Bill Black and... Uh, it always is acoustic in the background of Scotty. It's the most amazingly huge sound, and uh, uh, always. And also, uh, Scotty Moore and the sound he got also made me uh, start to get interested in uh, recording and uh, echoes and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Before I even got into it, uh, but it made me interested in, uh, in the possibilities of recording studio.
2: <laughs> yeah. And and it was very primitive what they were do what they you know with the way we were working with.
4: Yeah, I mean, so it's that's so simple, you know. Uh, I mean, with with the right guys, obviously, it can be done. I mean, Bill Black was an amazing bass player, and and I, and some of not having drums gives you a freedom to the rhythm that uh, you know it unlocks certain uh, other rhythms that you can't get when you when you when you're with a drummer, you know. So. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, a great sound, and it's never been duplicated. Uh, and I don't think anybody would try because it's uh, unique, you know, a unique sound.
2: Are, are, are there any uh, any Stones tracks or um, tracks that you know that you've done that that you were, um, I mean, were work that you were ch- trying to 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 channel that that Scotty Moore sound?
4: Um, I never tried to copy it no yeah. uh, ever although uh, I mean sometimes uh, I would fool around with certain echoes uh, um, maybe a parachute woman and stuff
2: oh but, yeah yeah
4: you know uh probably more in the recording technique than in the playing. But um, yeah, he was, uh, I mean, he, he was such a sweet guy, too. And uh, uh, at the same time, he could get his chops around the blues and uh, country music, like, and, and, a, and a mixture of it, which uh, is still quite, uh, well, it's unique. He was unique. I mean, Elvis wouldn't have been Elvis without Scotty, you know.
2: No, uh, uh, he said that that his two major influences were uh, Les Paul and and Chet Atkins, and he didn't listen to a whole lot of other guys before, you know...
4: Yeah, and then you you get the sense of uh, of Scotty Moore was into uh, the electrics of the electric guitar, uh, rather than just being a guitar player. Mm -hmm. You know, with with people like Les Paul and uh, Chet Atkins, who were both uh, innovators of, uh, you know, uh, and... Inventors of uh, the
2: damn thing. <laughs> yeah, and you uh, mentioned uh, Mystery Train, and the way he—I he, um, was—I was just exactly. as, as, as an amateur guitar player myself. I you know watch YouTube videos where they t- try to teach you how to do that song because because and and there's so much going on uh, that, that you don't realize uh, the the syncopation and cutting off chords and partial chords and the right hand stuff and it's uh it's it's a and the riff kind of turns around it, on itself.
4: It is. It's amazing. Uh, um, uh, amazing. I mean, that—that's really what we know about Scotty Moore. is is, is, is those uh, relatively few tracks. I mean, it was quite a lot with Elvis, but uh, I mean, you don't really know of any other work. Uh, they, I said something just came together with those boys. You know, um, yeah. the—the—you know, a one-off. Incredible at that age, uh,
2: 19 years uh, old or something.
4: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't age quite as well. It was good, but no, uh, amazing at 19, 20 years old. That stuff. I mean, it was uh, mind-boggling.
2: Yeah, um do you remember where you were when you when you first heard that sound? Um,
4: well, I must I must have been at home on the radio then. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those, I think Heartbreak Hotel was the first one I heard, uh, which electrified me, and uh, and then soon after I checked out uh, the first album, you know, Money Honey, Phoebe, Let's Play Your House, which, yeah. <laughs> Milk Cow Blues Boogie, which is an incredible piece of guitar playing, love that. Lick. I don't
2: care if the sun don't shine, and uh, you're a heartbreaker. Those are two also... Yeah,
4: those are heartbreakers, beautiful too. And, uh, I'm left, you're right, she's gone, man. We can throw these things at each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and, and he only got, I mean, I think $30,000 for uh, he, he estimated for his entire work with Elvis during the 50s, you know. Uh, and uh, do you think that he should have been a more well-known or more uh, rewarded for his work?
4: I think but then I think if you're working for the colonel uh, good luck. <laughs> good damn luck. Yeah, I mean they got the paid scale for uh, you know, everything they did was just uh, including like jailhouse rock and everything. <laughs> but um so um I, what was amazing to me too was that DJ Fontana and Scotty the great powers—they were hanging around together, you know, forever. Whenever I saw Scotty, almost invariably DJ had be there as well. They were great powers, which is, you know, heartening.
2: Yeah. So you you were at um, went to to do that song uh, Deuce and a Quarter with Levon. Yeah, with and, on, Yeah. Um, and that's amazing, an amazing track. What was that? What was that day like for you?
4: That was great. We went up to uh, to Woodstock to uh, to leave on, and Garth was there, Garth Hudson. Oh, wow. Uh, leave. <laughs> um, Scotty, uh, it, was, it was just a great session, man. It was, uh, you know, the, the good old boys.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was that a surreal experience to play with these guys that you would listen to as a kid?
4: Yeah, a real pleasure to play, you know, uh, I mean, it it always has been, I've sort of gotten used to it over the years, uh, you know, especially, I mean, uh, I started with little Richard when I was about 19. (laughs) playing. So I mean that was my first. I'm sitting in the dressing room, you know, playing guitar, the Little Richard's piano, and I uh, saying, this will do. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know? But the, the, uh, the, the, those guys didn't play a whole lot, uh, so to see them in action must have been incredible.
4: Yeah, it was. It was. He's such a smooth style, Scotty, too. You know, and leave on great drummer, man. You know, yeah, it's cats.
2: The, the last thing about well, Scotty, just you were mentioning the smooth style and the the, the combination of the jazz and, and country stuff. Is there anything else you would say um, that he sort of um,
4: sort of uh, the hallmarks of his style that you? Uh, that well, I mean, you've I got to mention you know, has a great grounding in the blues as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I think he sort of c- covered it uh, just about everything, you know. Uh, I mean, there's a little jazz in there, some great country licks. Uh, I mean, he was a unique character in a way. Um, uh, uh, there'll never be another Scotty Moore, that I can say. What was he like as a person? Very gentle, very funny, um, very unassuming. You know, like uh, like most of the, it's very, uh, you know quiet, in fact, he did like his scotch. So he ain't called Scotty for nothing.
0: What's that?
4: He ain't called Scotty for nothing. He did like his, well, he did like <laughs> scotch whiskey.
2: <laughs> oh, I bet there was a lot that day at Levon's house. Yeah, plenty. With Scotty, you, you were saying uh, uh, that we, there's not that much out there from him that, that we that we heard from Scotty. Do you have any, I mean, um, why, why um, do, I mean, that, you know, Elvis, they did the 68 stuff together, but they didn't do a lot more, they didn't do anything after that. No,
4: at that time I was hoping that they would pick up the threads together again, but it didn't happen, did it? It No, I was just curious if you
2: knew why they'd ever worked together ever. Probably still, they're probably still playing in scale. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Did, Did you ever, was there a toughest Scotty Moore lick that you tried to nail down that you never, like, could quite get?
4: Um... Well, um, there's, there's a rundown that he does on several tracks, which I've never, ever been able to, to figure out. When I ask Scotty, he just gives me a sly grin.
1: And that's it for today's episode of Rolling Stone Music Now. If you like what you heard, please leave a review on the iTunes Store or wherever you get your podcasts.